You're listening to The Local Maximum, episode 59. Time to expand your perspective. Welcome to The Local Maximum. Now, here's your host, Max Sklar. All right, the broadcast is live. We're live. Well, awesome. Welcome, everyone. Welcome to The Local Maximum. This is episode 59 of The Local Maximum, and the second one that we're live streaming. Actually, Aaron, I think this is the first one that we're live streaming. Like, uh, we might actually get it right this time where we're actually switching <laughs> sides. So the downside of live streaming is, so first of all, let me actually introduce the, the title of today's, um, oh, I don't know if it's the title, but the, the, the theme in today's podcast is the internet and cryptocurrency in authoritarian regimes. Particularly, we're going to be talking about Cuba and Venezuela, which are kind of Related regimes, they're both, you know, socialist, um, uh, you know, uh, Caribbean or, well, Venezuela is, I don't know if they would consider it Caribbean, but anyway, they're, they're close they, to each they other. They have a Caribbean coast. Yes, uh, allied to each other uh, countries, both have s- some similar issues. And so we're going to talk about that. Um, first of all, isn't it great on live stream how now people can see this ridiculous sunburn I got while skiing? <laughs> I, now, so I don't know why anyone would want to listen to me if I can't, uh, you know, figure out how to keep my face protected. But oh well. First, I want to react to um, the uh, the the latest Joe Rogan uh, podcast. I feel like I'm I'm reacting a little too much to Joe, Joe Rogan. It's not like you know, it's, this is not the Joe Rogan reaction show. But no, this is a topic that we've been talking about a lot when it comes to. Uh, when it comes to Twitter, if you remember episode 25, that's probably last summer, uh, I talked about Twitter's war on bots and also their kind of uh, war on, I guess, harassment and content moderation and how bias can be introduced into that. And so I think that um, Joe Rogan and um, uh, had Jack Dorsey back on his program to discuss it. And he also had uh, a couple other people. Uh, Vijaya uh, Gotti was, was her name. She was the uh, another trust and safety person. Yeah, I love the trust and safety person, but that's kind of a lawyer. So when, yeah. when Dorsey was on the previous time, did he come alone? or I, be- or- I believe so, yes. Okay, so, so both Rogan and Dorsey brought back up this time. Right, right. And... Um, and I think she was there because she was more of an expert in their policy and on the specific cases that they were talking about. And uh, I don't yeah, that, maybe, that was maybe to keep one of the great trouble, things about that yeah. discussion was was they got into real specifics. It wasn't just what's the policy, how is it enforced. It was so this particular person did this particular thing. Yeah. How did that lead to them getting? disciplined and and what was the form yeah, of discipline and, and, and tim so it, yeah and tim pool who had a lot of person yeah. sounds like he had a lot of personal experience with this i thought and, and, i thought it was an amazing discussion i thought that you know this is the, the discussion that people are going to refer back to you know five ten years from now um and uh, and it'll yeah, be interesting and, and i'll data is not the you know the the plural of of anecdote and i think a lot of what we saw was were were anecdotal cases sure but but this is the I think the most comprehensive and, and most in-depth insight into the inner workings that that at least I have seen up to this point. So it's yeah, it's pulling back the curtain on a lot of not not necessarily unveiling something that oh it's it's scandalous that this is how they're doing it, but but there wasn't this level of transparency on individual cases prior to this, right? And some people say oh you know this is not important. It's just about these jerk faces being removed from Twitter. You know who cares about that? And in fact, they're are some jerks being removed from Twitter and many of whom came up in that discussion. Um, but you have to be able to see this is much more than that. This is also about um, really, I mean, <laughs> the stuff that we see online affects our worldview greatly and it affects, you know, our consumer behavior. It affects the way we vote. And so I thought Tim Pool was a little bit late, a little bit on thick. They had kind of a... Um, I, it seemed to me like he felt they had a an obligation to like, you know, uphold our democracy, which I'm not really sure. I I don't know. I felt that went a little too far. Maybe, maybe. Yeah, he, he was he was making a pretty hard argument in that they have become the public square 
and as such, they have a higher responsibility than than the classic. Well, they're a private company and they can do whatever they want as long as they don't break the law. Which which he's not the first, and certainly won't be the last to make that argument. But it's it's open to some interpretation whether whether you choose to align with that. Well, or not. I I think what's interesting is just ask them about. Hey, they claim that they want to be an open system for anyone to talk, and I see some individual cases where that's not happening. Why is that not happening? And then I see, you know, overall bias, particularly political bias, um, which again, like I said back in episode 25, and I think we repeated in later uh, episodes, is that, of course, they're going to have a political bias because everyone in their company has the same political leaning, left leaning. And, you know, even if they, I don't think they're actually going ahead and trying to you know, bias their system like that. But just like, you know, at Foursquare, if I were to only care about my favorite restaurants, well, they're going to only care about their favorite issues. And so I, th- I right. call that you, QA you're, you're stipulating an unconscious, not a malicious. Right. Bias. And I think that's what I think that that's what, what came to light here. Um, so I, I really think Jack Dorsey gets a lot of hate online. Um, but I think that that they were both actually trying to make a good effort here. Both sides of the issue kind of had their facts, and both sides actually had to be corrected at times. And I think they genuinely wanted to get better, as you know, as opposed to other platforms who might not go on a show like this. You know, sometimes Vijaya can speak from like a legalistic company perspective, which is really irritating for me. But I understand why she has to do it. That's her job. And so I just um, I think that. There are just certain narratives that they favor and are given much more attention. But I just think by going on the show, they're kind of showing that, hey, um, we're going to try to change this. But I think in the end, properly moderating Twitter at a global or even just a national scale is really an impossible task. And (laughs) I think Jack Dorsey is kind of thinking, well, we're going to try to do the best we can here uh, with Twitter. But also, I'm going to move on to the crypto world, which is why we have this announcement today that he's hiring engineers to work to improve Bitcoin directly as his payment company Square embraces <laughs> it. So that's really interesting because at the end, Tim Pool is like, well, I'm not satisfied with you guys and everyone's going to move to cryptocurrencies. And I'm like, that's what the guy is doing. You know, so uh, I thought that was pretty interesting. Um, and I thought it was interesting that he didn't pipe up and say something when <laughs> when that was going on. Uh, when when the other guy was saying that well in in terms of the the whole ongoing twitter fiasco yeah. i i would say that that dorsey seems very much like the type of person that if i ran into him at a party not that that i go to those kind of parties uh no. but i would have no problem chatting with him you know sharing a drink and and walk away saying oh he seems like a, a you know a decent guy but Having your heart in the right place and saying, you know, I want to I want to make this better. I want to solve this problem and actually being able to solve it are two very different things. And I, I think, well, I think it could be impossible. One is one yeah. is a prerequis- prerequisite to the other. Yeah. Uh, but but it doesn't make solving that easy. And, and he's got a long, hard road. Well, ahead it's of not him like I that, think that's going to be. Yeah. You know, it's not flanked on all sides by critics. It's not like I think it's it's like possible to solve, and he's just you know not competent enough. I think he, it's just the fact that it's such a complicated problem. Um, but yeah, I think we. Can, I don't think they're going to fix their particular bias anytime soon. But you know, hey, that's all right. I you know he's at the same time he's working on ways around it himself. So what can you, you know, what what more can you ask for? I I kind of feel like. All right. I just felt like we had to mention that because we had covered that previously on the show. I'll link to the articles about that and I'll link to episode 25, which is at localmaxradio.com slash 25. Um, any, any further questions for me on that? Was I clear? Was there anything? Uh, so I, I wasn't aware of the, uh, the recent crypto related announcement oh, yeah. and, and, but, but I, I don't know that, that there's much to go into in detail on that now, but it sounds like that's something that we may want to talk about in the future as, as it takes more form. Oh, yeah. Sure. So he's actually hiring engineers to work directly on the Bitcoin protocol. Like he's like, I, you will report directly to me and I will pay you, uh, which I find really interesting. So it's not hmm. actually it's not just about building his own um, system around it. All he's doing when when you say working on the Bitcoin protocol, are, are we talking about I, I assume it's some sort of open source yeah. project, exactly. essentially. Yeah. So so this is much like um 
there there are some folks or or folks who are are able to spend some of their time at like Google or or uh, the Mozilla Foundation working on the open source uh, products in their family or or those those open source products which are immediately adjacent to what they're working on on company time. Yeah, exactly, uh, something like that. And so, you know, he's adding to that network. He's incorporating cryptocurrency into the Cash App, uh, which is Square's app. Uh, I haven't used that yet. I should give that a try, but um, it seems pretty fascinating. All right, let's move on to, because I said I only wanted to talk about this for 10 minutes. Uh, we might get some questions about it, and if we do, uh, localmaxradio gmail.com. We'll uh, try to answer it on the show. Let's look at this. So I'm going to start with this AP article, Cell Phone Internet Access Bringing Changes Fast to Cuba. And I should point out that I was in Cuba last year, last February. So... Um, you read this, Aaron, correct? Um, yes. So tell me what you thought about that and, and what, what well, your impression was. And I can tell you what I saw. It, it was – I guess there were a couple of things. One, it was, it's exciting because not only are, are they getting access to kind of the, the modern world by, uh, by jumping on the internet, but they're, they're coming from, from almost – no connection, no connectivity to that. Jumping straight into a, a 3G world, which it, it's it's mind boggling to think of of what that kind of shift is like. Um, the flip side of that, 3G though, is a little like is, dial up, though, <laughs> if you think about it. Uh, yeah, but but imagine coming from where, you know, the equivalent of where they are now and jumping straight into that. Yeah. Um, also, dial up like the internet had nothing on it. Now, when you have 3G, you still have the whole internet available. Right. Yeah. I, the 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 flip side of that coin though is is that here in the U.S. and and in Europe and other parts of the world, everybody's worried about uh, you know monolithic tech companies and and the surveillance state and how they're they're monitoring everything we do and monetizing it and and they're not paying us for the use of our data. Uh, but in in Cuba, uh, until very recently, if you did anything on the internet, you did it through uh, government sponsored a government sponsored connection. So. It, it would be foolish to presume anything other than they were monitoring everything. And if you had an email, it was through a government-run ISP. Uh, and and so we at least have options between you know a half dozen. I'm pretty sure that's uh, still true. Evil or less evil companies. Yeah. Uh, but but can you imagine what it would be like if your email was if if everybody in the U.S. had a you know a, a dot gov uh email address yeah and the expectation was that the irs and the fbi and the nsa were reading all of your emails all the time yeah yeah no, i don't know um so the one platform that i had experience with was airbnb um chatting to the the airbnb owner through through airbnb.com i don't know if they can um intercept those messages um, maybe they can. I don't know. Well, uh, if 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 the uh, ISP is government owned is. or or a, then then presumably they can. I, I, mean, yeah. I don't know that they would. Well, yeah. but they certainly could. No, but that's like yeah, that's not true. Um, okay, so yeah, there is, um, uh, and 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 there was also this part of it that concerns. their uh, submarine cables. That's sort of too right. Which which but, is part of the reason that they claim. That, that they are only able to make this jump now, that they, they simply didn't have the, the means of the bandwidth no, until when, that was hooked when's up. When's now? Because in 2015, like uh, you had the public Wi-Fi in parks starting in 2015. It was certainly there. Like, so what's the difference between now and what they had before when I was there? So, so my understanding was, was that now with this, this massive rollout of, of the 3G network, um, like like you said, there there was this public Wi-Fi in in parks, but but that's it was almost like a an even more public uh, internet cafe model that that literally you you had to go to the park to connect to it. Right. Um, but now with with a more broad based three G network, uh, people are starting to have access in their own homes, but why, which which is I, which is a first. I guess what I don't understand is why don't why would you need the submarine cable for one and not the other? Is it just the amount of bandwidth, or is it? That that would be my guess, okay. and and honestly, I don't know. 
I don't recall from the article when the submarine cable went in. Right. Okay. So but, the uh, actually, let's see if we can look that up. Well, because uh, I, I think there was something in there about previously they'd been restricted to satellite uplinks. Oh no! Which yes, they are more expensive and limited. They bandwidth. got they got a submarine cable in uh, 2011. It says, and then oh, so so the submarine cable was actually in 2011. So that was with Venezuela. So yeah, okay. so they did need that for both things. Um, and in 2015, they had the Wi-Fi in the parks. So, yeah, that's essentially the, the recent history. So, and, yeah. and the issue with the submarine cable, now like, like you, you mentioned, was they yeah. had to run it through Venezuela because they claimed that, that the uh, less uh, communist-friendly nations in, in the Caribbean were blocking that. Yeah, so the U.S. and they said the U.S. blocked it and everyone else blocked it, which... Um, and 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 uh, that's what the Cuban government says, um, but others say no. That was just their excuse not to have it. And obviously, if it goes through Venezuela, they have a lot more control over it. Um, yeah, and in, in fact, my my first reaction to that, having having not done any detailed research on it, was why would we want to block that? If anything, uh, it would be to our advantage from from the viewpoint of uh, you know a, a Western democracy that well. Greater access to information is going to only accelerate the toppling of, of an oppressive regime. So yeah. we want a way to get that information into the hands of the people. Why would we try and block the cable? Now, I, I could see trying to block the cable if the only way to get the cable in would be a cable that has you know complete control by the, by the Cuban government. Right, or if it's uh, part but, of the embargo. But, yeah, but it, but it still seems to me that it would be in, in our interest, and, and I... Yeah, I thought. Well, why, why not have also, a, a model similar to, to the Radio Free Europe yeah. uh, that we did in the Cold War? Um, There's no but, embargo. But, you know, modernized, and, yeah. and and you pointed out that that we we did do things like. There's that no embargo in. The um, there's no embargo for to to like Mexico or any of those countries. So it's not like that that would affect them there. But um, yes. So when I went to the Museum of the Revolution, they talked. Uh, well, they had a whole wall about the whole whole. Um, all exhibit? whole exhibit, yeah, on um, Cuba-U.S. relations, and they talked about uh, you know radio uh, Marty, television Marty, and um, that's um, kind of there all all the things that the U.S. government did to Cuba. This is one of them. So I'm just reading from the museum exhibits that I was in in Havana. Uh, the so-called radio Marty airing on May 20th, 1985, launched the psychological war against Cuba. On September 30th, the U.S. House representatives approved $7.5 million to begin the transmission of the badly named Television Marty. Yes, that was, the, uh, that was on, the, uh, on the caption. Um, they also said there, it was interfered with by their technicians. In other words, they blocked it, and it was part of the aggressive policy toward our country our country being Cuba in this case. That's essentially what that was. And actually, I believe that's still going on. So there's still kind of that information campaign happening. But I think the better information campaign is just having people like me and you visit Cuba. <laughs> so Yeah. Well, and, and, and uh, human expats, uh, you know, people who, who still have family back in Cuba or friends or, or, or you know, distant relatives who are now living in Florida or Texas or yeah. uh, or, or wherever they've moved to in the United States, uh, being able to communicate back to Cuba more more easily and, and more frequently. It's it's not that they couldn't do that before, but it, it's a lot easier if your your family member has a Wi-Fi connection or your know, 3G connection in their home yeah. uh, than if you have to go through some complicated, e- either, you know, complicated gray market black market solution or through official government connections so let me tell you let me tell you about these uh the park wi-fi so you have to buy these cards that give you one hour of internet on it you buy the card so people know who's doing it the card and and can you just buy those at like any bodega or or is i don't think so special I, i think we got it through our airbnb host and i think it's part of like um I don't think you could just get them. I think they're actually very difficult to get. Uh, but I could I, be wrong. I'm curious. That. Yeah. It, what what kind, if any, rationing? There, like, is do you do you purchase them at some 
retail value or is it everybody is issued you know one hour of of uh, of wi-fi a week and you get your your card much like i uh, i'm not sure but i got the sense that it was issued and then it was also issued to tourists through so you know even though they have airbnbs maybe there's some hookup where they but honestly i didn't ask too many questions <laughs> i was just like okay great one hour internet fine and you 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 fill in it's got like a, a username and password which are both numbers and you have to like fill in like 30 numbers on your phone and you get in and then you start using it and then uh, the clock starts ticking and it starts going down it's so that's interesting that it's it's time based not uh not bandwidth based yeah yeah well the bandwidth is slow uh we did have one like uh FaceTime call to the US but it's like very it looks like this like um, you know, very, uh, um, very like one photo every two seconds kind of. Well, that's that's one of the other things that, that I didn't really yeah. think about too much when I was reading the article. But um, you, you mentioned, oh, it's 3G. It's like being back on dial-up. Uh, while they now have access over, over that 3G connection or, or through the, the, the Wi-Fi parks to the greater Internet. Um, yeah. You know, a, a standard web page today, if you tried to download it over a 3G connection or dial-up, is going to take forever because uh, it's it's no longer just, you know, simple text or basic HTML. It's got embedded video and oh, it yeah. loads ads and all sorts of other stuff. And, and so um, unless unless they've got some, some kind of built-in tools in their infrastructure to kind of strip out all or, or run a simplified versions of those. I basically sites, just use that's it. That's going to be yeah, rough. I use the check email. I think they probably use it to check like Airbnb email. If it's, you know, it's basically for people to check very simple things from their friends and family. And, uh, and for people who run businesses, like for example, the Airbnbs. Um, and, uh, it, did did you try to access anything when you were there that you weren't able to that that appeared to be blocked? Uh, I'm I'm curious how much of no. a, uh, a like a great firewall of China situation there is. Is Cuba allowing pretty pretty open access to everything as long as as they monitor? I think it, or? that yeah, I, I think that the difficulty is only that it's um, so time limited and so slow and so expensive for the average person. That mm. you can't really, it's not like you can live stream, you know, filming the police or whatever. And it's not like you can, um, you know, it's, it, it's, it's not like you can, I guess you could use Twitter. I don't, I don't see why not, but maybe it's blocked. I don't know. Um, but it just seems like a much more difficult proposition to like, who has time for Twitter <laughs> when you only have like one hour, you know? Well, I don't know. I mean, twi- it would seem that Twitter would be a pretty... Um, a pretty useful thing for that. Well, yeah. may, maybe if you could do like Twitter over SMS would be even better. Because sure. Yeah. It, it doesn't. It's not data or time intensive to. And I, I guess that's that's almost getting back to the old BBS model where you log in, you you know you you push up your upload and you pull down all the information and then you can go read it at your leisure after you've disconnected. Yeah. All right. I'll have to look at that. I I'm sure they have. I'm sure they have a large uh, Twitter uh, community. And of course, and the article said that. Um, you know, more and more people are listening to what was it that guy's YouTube channel? Um, I thought it was YouTube. Uh, let me uh, let me make sure it says that. Yeah, I, I right. I yeah, think he was saying that his YouTube channel is now being listened to. Uh, you know, it, it, it was more people in Spain and the U.S. and that makes sense because. Spain has the common language. This was a guy who was, uh, I, I believe, living in, in Florida somewhere, but he had a, a Cuban-focused channel. Oh, he lives in Florida. Was, oh. But 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 with the opening, all of a sudden, he's getting a lot more followers and people viewing it from Cuba. Gotcha, I, gotcha. I believe that was the story. Okay, okay. So, yeah. So, you, you absolutely can do YouTube and Twitter and all those things. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's not that easy for the average person you're not going to have like uh hundreds of thousands of people tuning in um on the island actually that yeah, might be and, higher than the population <laughs> there were a couple of things they pointed out with you know people observing uh really really crummy conditions and oh I, I i can't remember the example now but it was like you know a, a a public bathroom somewhere was was in disrepair or or some other public public venue had was 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 not being being addressed and so they they either tweeted or emailed or 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 something public to a government official and all of a sudden it got dealt with oh. and 
And that's so, better so, than so things were here. Yeah, I can tell you, that's, that's if good. I, uh, if I point uh, well, to it's, something going on out there, no one's going to care. It's it's like uh, oh gosh what what was the big snowstorm a few years ago where uh, people were tweeting at Cory Booker uh, about uh, New Jersey you know yeah about about uh, issues they were having in the snowstorm and like he would show up and and hand out hot pockets and help mm. them shovel out their car Ooh, interesting. so it it happens yeah uh, but but not everybody's uh, uh, yeah not, not everybody's a book a Cory well, seriously Booker, so. I was right out there the other day and a guy just pulled down his pants right in front of me. I'm like, holy shit. I'm like, why? I'm not going to call 311, though. I mean, what are they going to do? So so I guess they were saying that that it is is causing the government to step up and address problems that maybe weren't – that were easier to sweep under the rug before. Yeah. Um, Because, well, who who are you going to complain to? But but if – you know, you you can complain to the government and now everybody else can see it. So – People can tell when the government is blatantly ignoring. Yeah, but everyone, everyone but, knows. Look, you walk around Havana; it's not like you have to look far to see a pothole or a building in disrepair. It's like literally everywhere you walk. So it's not like there's anything particularly. Um, but there's it, something about it being on the internet and the public embarrassment attached to that that I guess, that I guess so. is prompting action. Okay. Um, the, the, the internet is good at one thing; it is good at public shame. Right, right. And there is, um, and and this is something that's very similar. It works very similarly in in um, you know in our country or many other countries. Yeah. Where, so, but, so what it, what it does not appear to be doing is is there's there's no indication that we're looking at the you know the first steps of a um, you know, in, instead of an Arab spring, a, a Cuban spring. No. I, I don't. No, no one seems to be predicting that on on the uh, the basis of of this technology being rolled out there. Um, that that we may see some gradual changes, but but nothing revolutionary. And and maybe that's just because Cuba has had their revolution and they're done. Uh, maybe it's the the method that this is being rolled out is is they're 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 being smart about it and and controlling it just enough but giving it just enough freedom that it's not going to cause them problems well yeah there's like but, s- but i don't see this toppling the the uh the cuban government there, there's kind of a slow creeping acceptance of private businesses like i said you know with raul castro a few years ago they said okay we have to have some private business they're forced into doing it because modern economy you know you have to allow a little bit of internet and they have to bring more money into their country so they had to allow some private businesses. It's not like the Chinese model where they actually wanted to encourage it. They're basically doing the minimum that they have to. Um, but they have. They felt the need to have to do some because they need to bring revenue into their state. Uh, but from their point of view, uh, from the powers that be, they need to kind of balance it so the people don't have too much freedom and too much money to challenge the system. So, And it was interesting when I was there um, – yeah, and sorry, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say it'll it'll be interesting to see in fifty or a hundred years um, who that's a who long had time, the right? Yeah. Well, because well, I, I think this is going to be a, a long horizon yeah. event. But who who had the the right path to transition from a socialist government to whatever? Maybe they will never go to a full Western you know, democracy yeah. with capitalism. But but that transition, because I, I think. Um, you see it a little bit in China that, that they want all the benefits, but they also don't want yeah. to relinquish the control. And like Viet- and Vietnam is a similar model to China. Well, and and, then, and, and you see it in Korea yeah. where they're not they're well, not really moving in that way. Nope. But part of it is because they are so terrified that if they if they start that process a little bit, they will lose control, and the ruling party will not only lose power, but they're going to lose their lives in the process. They yeah. don't want to end up like a, like a Gaddafi. Or North Korea uh, is and is so very maybe yeah. maybe Raul Castro and. Uh, I, I hadn't even realized he wasn't president anymore until I, I did some yeah. research coming off of this article. But uh, that 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 transitional government in there, may, maybe they have found kind of the secret sauce for how how do we do this without losing our lives, without throwing our country into upheaval, and get to to a better place where everyone wants to be? Because uh, yeah, rapid change is dangerous, and and governments don't don't like that at all. At least yeah. not in in their own backyard. Yeah, no, I mean you kind of see. Um 
Man, Cuba would be such an amazing, like it would be a spot where everyone wanted to go on vacation if 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 they allowed it. But and then there are people who don't want Cuba to change, mostly uh, mostly Americans who are like, oh, it's good you're going to Cuba, you know, before they allow too many Americans in, and then it becomes just well, it's, another. It's, and then I'm like, yeah, sure, let's the, have them keep their uh, depressed economy just so that I can enjoy that. I mean, I don't. Know, it sounds ridiculous. Well, as, as a New Yorker, I'm I'm sure you're. Uh you're very, very uh, aware of, of the conflict surrounding gentrification. And, yeah. and this, this has the potential to be like colonial gentrification just on a, on a scale of nations as opposed to neighborhoods. Yeah. Well, I, you know, I don't know. I don't think that the, uh, the average person there would like object to having more, um, to more business opportunities, not just more freedom, but, uh, there's a lot of freedoms that's restricted there. People don't realize like, uh, um, beef is illegal. Um, oh, wow. like that. it's like, so, yeah. so do they, do they not have cattle or, or is it yeah. that it's restricted to very limited, R- limited, uh, you, yeah. Um, so, so like you can only get beef from, from the government beef store. I don't or, know. Or not even. No, no, no. You, I, I don't think the average person can get it. Um, I think it's, it's only for like diplomat. I, I could look it up, but it, it's like, you don't want to catch yourself. It's like having uh, it's like having like drugs on you here. It's not you don't want to be caught with that. Um, I think it was because the cows were collectivized at some point, and then people started stealing the cows, and so they needed to crack down on that. Um, I, so if you had beef, you were probably poaching. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay, so yeah, there's a lot of interesting stuff about Cuba. Uh, definitely open to being questioned more about my experience there. Um, now, Cuba and Venezuela have grown very close because they're the only countries... Well, I mean, Cuba kind of helped Venezuela on their way to becoming a socialist nation because Cuba needs some allies, especially since the fall of the Soviet Union. Oh, yeah, you were talking before about transitioning away from the socialist economy. Um, so right. there's the... I see there's the China model. There's the Russia model. Well, yeah, the, the Russian model was was basically we flip a switch and all of a sudden <laughs> uh, there are no rules. Yeah. Capitalism, go steal whatever you can and start selling. Yeah, it. but actually that worked out very differently in many of the former Soviet countries, like Russia versus Belarus versus Estonia. Estonia worked out very well, you know. So certain certain countries. Well, I, I think to to generalize uh, with with abandon, uh, the closer the country was to Europe, the the more readily they made that shift. And, and maybe that's because of influences from their neighbors, or maybe it's because they kind of were that way before they came, became a Soviet uh, Republic and, and fell under the iron curtain. But, uh, they, they seemed to, to make that shift much more easily than the ones that were deeper within the, the Soviet empire. Gotcha. Gotcha. Um, yeah. And then there's North Korea, which is continually close yourself off. I don't know. Who knows? <laughs> Maybe there'll be other countries that tr- transition to a socialist nation. Um, but it could happen. So when I was there, there were all these propaganda signs, like our ally, Venezuela, it had a picture of Hugo Chavez. You know, I don't know. We don't really do that in the United States. We're kind of embarrassed by our allies. We don't say our ally, Saudi Arabia. We're like, mm, I don't know. Uh, but uh, but well, we, we talk about the special relationship between the, the UK and, and the US. But we don't have but a big picture of the prime minister up there or the queen. No. Well, although yeah. for, for years, there was a, a, a big billboard up in the Boston area of and I'm I'm forgetting uh, who the politician was I want to say it was like Joe Kennedy or something yeah um, uh, who who was who was bringing it who he there was some program that he'd advocated for that basically provided home heating oil for the uh, for those below the poverty line or something and and it was uh, you know basically brought to you by our cooperation with with the government of Venezuela and it was uh, it was Hugo Chavez uh, helping to heat the homes of the the unfo- the less fortunate in in a, in the United States uh, showing how you know oh, so capitalism his, has failed you he put his but picture, the socialists will save he you he put his picture here too okay so that's uh, that's interesting um so, certainly not in the level I, I expect it was in Cuba. Well, yeah. Um, no, no, I, probably about the same. I, don't, I didn't see it everywhere. I just, uh, and now, yeah. Anytime, I'm, I'm anytime ways, I go to these but, countries, there's all these political political signs everywhere in um, in uh, in Cuba, in Nicaragua, 
even the Dominican Republic, which is more of like a, a kind of a capitalist country. But a lot of these countries are very like all the politicians have their signs. Up. I guess that's true here, too, but not not when it's not election time. Um, unless it always happens to be election time when I'm going to these places. But um, it seemed like a lot. Um, so let's talk about Venezuela a little bit. Uh, our- now, now, we we both mentioned uh, Hugo Chavez, yeah. uh, who who is probably the, the most famous leader of Venezuela. But he has been uh, out of the picture for a number of years. Yeah, now. he died in uh, 2013. And so I, I guess he outlived uh, Fidel by... By a little ways there. No, no, no. F- well, or, uh, Fidel or, or died were they, recently. Did they both go about the same time? No, uh, well, uh, Fidel Castro, I think, stepped down in 2011, but he died. Oh, that's right. He died right after the election of 2016 in the U.S. Oh, I, I, I hadn't even realized he'd hung on that long. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's right, because he, 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 he stepped down and his brother Raul took over. Don't you remember? And then there was a while where nobody knew if he was st- still alive or not because he hadn't been seen in public. Don't you remember, like, Trump won and then Castro died and then all, all your Trump supporter uh, friends were like, you the, see? Tr- <laughs> the 2016 election seems so long ago that, that uh, yeah. But that's, that's another topic. Okay. Uh, so we're going to talk about, so in Venezuela you have this interesting situation where Bitcoin might actually have a use case. It's hard to tell how much, but there was a whole write-up on it in the New York Times about a month ago. Uh, tell me what you found there. Yeah, so so the the uh, TLDR version of the story in Venezuela in general is uh, they, they had a booming economy that was heavily based on oil, which was nationalized, um, and they they took advantage of that and expanded their their uh, social programs immensely and then the oil market kind of collapsed out from under them and they had all these huge expenditures they could no longer finance and so the government is kind of collapsing under its own weight and they have ridiculous inflation that's the problem um, one problem with the socialist economy that people don't understand socialist economies can be successful if they take the structure of production that was learned through the previous free market-ish capitalist economy, take that and freeze it into place because that works. But once the... Well, it works until something changes. Until the, right, and until there's a huge It doesn't shock. have the updating mechanisms that the market Exactly. Does. And that's why, you know, even, I, you know, even a place like, um, well, like the Gulf, the, the Gulf states, like, like Saudi Arabia, you know, people are like, well... Venezuela is only suffering because of the oil price, but how come these other countries that are not exactly Western countries are also are doing just fine? You know, so well, that, and they, they've certainly had to adjust their approach, but but they're not they're not seeing uh, you know million plus percent inflation. And, of course, and this this is this is legitimately a scenario that that's on par with uh, was it was it Zimbabwe uh, where they just kept. At, Adding zeros to the currency yeah. because inflation was going up, or so removing quickly. zeros or whatever. Yeah. The zeros kept coming because people needed more and more money, and then they have to. Yeah, so inflation inflation is terrible. Um, it destroys the savings of the average person because it's usually ends up being who, who ends up holding the hot potato. You know, everyone's trying to spend as fast as they can, and um, whoever ends up holding the most fiat, someone's got to end up with it in the end. And it's usually not the rich and powerful. It's usually the middle class um, who ends up yeah. really so, getting So stuff. to accompany this, this inflationary issue, uh, they also have massive production issues. And so there's, there's shortages of food. Uh, bread is a major staple. And they, there is not enough to feed people. Uh, there have been cases where they have to they've they placed additional police at the zoo because people were trying to capture and eat the zoo animals uh, because that's there was no food yeah. uh I, I there was some statistic about uh and and I, I don't remember the numbers but it was like the average venezuelan has has lost more in the last several months than than anyone on an aggressive diet could expect to lose <laughs> because the 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 basic things you need for survival are in short supply. It's really just, uh, I, I can't imagine figuring out cryptocurrency in that environment. Um, yeah, so it, there, there, there are two things there. One yeah. is, is that uh, 
you you need to be able to get food. Yeah. Uh, and and if there's a limited supply, then then the you know outside of those places where the government has artificially fixed the price, um, where which which will cause there to be less supply available. Uh, but but where you can get it at a market rate, that that rate's going to be extremely high. And because there's also inflation, the money that you do have doesn't go as far. Right. It has to be uh, so money it's, that it's, you just it's earned. It's a double whammy there. It has to be money that you just earned today that you could then turn yeah. over really fast. Um, or very so, so one way to hedge around that is is investment in uh, some other currency. And uh, because of government uh, regulations, uh, it, it sounds like it's heavily restricted on what you can convert the uh, the Venezuelan. Is it, is it Bolivars? The Bolivars, yeah. Uh, you, they they heavily restrict what you can convert that into. So it's not like you could go to to the bank and say, "Well, I want to convert this into dollars so that it holds its value," or uh, even into you know Mexican pesos or gold. That you can do that in very very small increments, if at all, um, and and not at a rate that is equivalent to the market rate because they're they're artificially suppressing it. So it may be that the actual exchange rate is a uh, hundred bolivars to the dollar. Uh, but the bank will only give you, uh, you know, a, 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 a much a much worse rate because that's what the government is saying it's pegged to, so it doesn't look as bad as it actually is. Um, the other piece is, uh, well, so so because you can't do that with with other standard currencies, uh, one thing that you can potentially do is convert that into crypto because the government has a lot. Uh, a lot less ability to restrict. So, that. what wallets are they using? I mean, it, I've seen an example of some of them are using this SMS wallet, which I'm not familiar with, but I have used some SMS uh, type tools where you could actually, um, you know, send and receive Bitcoin through SMS. Are they using, you know, apps? Yeah, I, I know that, less about yeah. that. Although it, it sounds like not only can you not convert uh, funds into foreign currency, but they're also restricting how much you can withdraw from your own bank accounts at a time, mm. and so that's. That's tie, playing into, you know, how much can you convert into Bitcoin? Well, I assume they're or, doing, or, I assume, or move around as well. Since they're doing Bitco- localbitcoins.com, I assume they're doing like Bitcoins for cash on the street, right? Yes. Which I've never done. But I, I assume, you know, you give someone cash and then they send you Bitcoin either from their phone app or from, um, uh, from, uh, uh, from an SMS app. It sounds very, uh, you know, it sounds all very, um, not very safe, but <laughs> when your currency is falling, then um, it's the best. Yeah, I mean, it, if if you can't get your money out of the bank, or the money you have in the bank is worthless, uh, and uh, you know you you might lose some of your Bitcoin, but if you can't use it, then it, it's it's worth about as much as if you get ripped off. Yeah, and Bitcoin is hard money, so, it's, so it, it becomes worth the risk. Yeah, it there. is. Oh, and then that's that's the other thing yeah. is is that because Bitcoin knows no borders, uh, if you can find a way to convert Bitcoin into uh, into local currency, you can get friends and family outside of Venezuela to uh, to send you Bitcoin. Oh, sure, which you yeah. can then convert. Which which they even if they could do it through you know, a traditional wire, you know, money wire or a Western Union or whatever, uh, again, you're, you're running into restrictions on what you can do there. Plus, there are all sorts of fees associated. Now, I don't see if know if we have any pictures of that. But if someone has a a wallet down there, and there is no limit to how much Bitcoin they can be sent into that wallet, someone could send a hundred thousand dollars, million dollars, if they want. Um, probably. Yeah, I mean, they, and they may have trouble converting that into cash on the street. Yeah. Uh, with with the local. Yeah. With the local markets there, but but certainly it puts them in a stronger position. But, than but, they were but have we read? I, I haven't read any examples of this actually happening. Um, I I can't imagine it's not. Um, but if it is, it's probably not a huge number of people who have figured this out. Yeah. Uh, well, and and this ties into. Um, uh, something you talked about with uh, is it. Was it Charlie? Uh, Charlie Oliver on, on Tech Twenty Twenty Five. Yeah, Charlie Oliver on yeah. Tech Twenty Twenty Five. That was a good show, by the way. Uh, that the episode that just recently came. Yeah, out. Yeah, that was out uh, um, recently. It was on that show. Um, yeah, you should check it out. I'll put it on the website. But but you you were talking about um, you know potentially people like fl- fleeing uh, in, in a refugee situation that that cryptocurrency allows you to convert all your assets into this this electronic form, and then you don't have to worry about yeah. smuggling bags of cash across the border or getting ripped off. Or how to convert it, uh, you know, as as you're traveling, it's um, still it, there's still it's risks, completely locked up and safe. Yeah. And and there have been people who've, uh, I I think the example they gave in the article was 
was someone who was able to use that to to leave uh, Venezuela. Unfortunately, they ended up having to come back because uh, whatever it was they they tried to do uh, where they went didn't pan out. But but it gave them the opportunity at least to do that. Yeah, um, yeah. Where, where otherwise they might have been trapped in an ever worsening. You situation. have several options there. I mean, you could try to bring your private key with you in like a little. Um, in, in like a little envelope or something in your pocket and hope they don't get it. You can send the Bitcoin to someone in the foreign country, hope they have it for you, or you could remember it. I would say probably try to do a combination of those things because um, that way if one of them doesn't work, you're still in luck. But right. um, yeah, it, but, but it's way easier. Like I think the idea of the era of government confiscating all assets might be over uh, to an extent. Uh, yeah, well, the, the the tricky bit becomes how do you convert everything into crypto? Um, right, right, right. To begin yeah, with, because some some assets that can be done more easily than others. But I'm thinking uh, in the far least, future, it, or not in the, in the near future, like people will have their some assets. In yeah, crypto. well, and and it'll it'll mean less hedging with uh, with durable goods. Yeah. like the the in in the uh, World War II example with with the the Jews or or, or other persecuted groups fleeing Europe. Uh, there was, you know, it was, well, we're, we're going to you know, hide our jewels. We'll sew them into our clothes, into our, our luggage sure. and get, get our, our wealth out that way. It, it wouldn't be that easy today to go convert, you know, a diamond ring into crypto, um, at least not as easy sure. as to convert, uh, you know, a, a, a bank balance. Yeah. Uh, but but if you have that method, then you wouldn't need to store your wealth in, you know, gold coins or or jewelry to begin with. Right. Um, as, as, assuming you have confidence in in the current the cryptocurrency and and the other thing worth pointing out here is is uh speaking of confidence in the cryptocurrency crypto is maybe not at record lows right now but it's certainly far off of its peak and yet it is still a much more stable uh store of value than their their local currency and so it is it is proving to be a superior currency, despite despite all of the criticisms that you might be able to level at it about you know its fluctuation and this and that. It, it's still doing better than they are, so it's it, it brings. Uh, I'm using value in multiple contexts here, but it brings value to the table in that. Fashion. Yeah, a big difference is sometimes like cryptocurrency or Bitcoin is uh, volatile on the upside. It's not like when you have a, a currency that they're inflating, it's not like it increases its value significantly one day. It really doesn't happen. Um, it's only going down. So if you have something that's going both up and down, you could maybe live with it. Um, yeah. And, and especially now, this happens, I've seen this happen to crypto, to Bitcoin a lot, like in 2015, where it goes down so low, it's kind of packed into a permanent low level that it sort of reaches a floor and then everyone's like, oh, we found the floor and then it goes down a little more. But like eventually we do <laughs> find the floor and, and it seems like they found a floor right now because it's been at like in the 3000s or 4000 for several months. And I don't think it's um, I don't think it's going much lower than that. So knock on wood. Yeah, sure. All right. So um, let's see what else we have to say here. Um Right. Well, so I, I don't think we've mentioned the blackout. Um, oh, yeah. So, so blackout. when we first read this article, it was things were bad. But then uh, all of a sudden, uh, the capital and the surrounding area started going through extended rolling blackouts for uh, pretty, pretty, pretty much most of the day for several day long periods. Right. Uh, and, and I don't know. Is, is that still going on? I think today? the blackout is over. Um, OK. But, you know, who knows? It could come back. Yeah. And uh, so so this was a country that was already teetering on the edge of 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 revolution you know there's there's they, they've got two people who are who who claim to be president they've got you know outside aid that the military the is opposition, refusing to let in the opposition it's, guiado by the way is pro crypto yeah and so so it's this is this is a country that is primed for a a potentially violent overthrow of the so government. I also read though and that, that and yeah. then you cut the power yeah. to the largest population center I was shocked that there were not more people dying in the streets and and for a while it was unclear yeah, well are they and we just can't find out yeah. about it because there's no power and no reporters down. it's very hard to figure um, out what's going on in that country right now but but it sounds like even even with the power out uh, people were finding ways to to 
take advantage of cryptocurrency to to keep themselves you know, fed and roofs over their That's heads. That's crazy, to, right? I mean, it can't be that many people who this is such a t- tough technology to figure out. Have you ever tried to buy Bitcoin? It's like, I mean, I mean, I've done- necessity is is the mother of <laughs> well, maybe not invention in this case, but but figuring shit out. Yeah. Well, look, so. People have said, well, volume dipped in Venezuela during this time, which you know could be said, well, you know, that, that's not good for Bitcoin because Bitcoin can't be used during a power outage. But it also kind of proves the point that, well, maybe it really is being used. I'm not sure if, um, if that's – it could be volume dipped for other reasons. And um, right. so I'm not sure if volume dipped in Venezuela or dipped else. But people have speculated that. Um, it's very interesting yeah, well, to and, read and, that. And this is a case where people are are – Buying in in or you know transacting in volume and it's not purely speculation. Yeah. Uh, so there's also I mean, these these people are are using it to buy things and not just like for the novelty of oh I bought a pizza with Bitcoin. It's no, I, this is the best way for me to to carry out this this uh, necessary yeah, task. Yeah, but I just don't think it's like a huge percentage of the population. I could be wrong. Like I, no, it's, I, I wouldn't expect. But that. it's like a few people who have figured out. Uh, Man, it's so hard to. Um, well, we'll be following this story, I guess, in the future because it's so hard to figure out, you know, what what kind of numbers we're talking about here. One of the interesting things I found is that you people continued to use it during the blackout because the SMS networks are still up and you can send Bitcoin through text message. So that um, so long as you can find a way to charge your phone, which people, I guess, you do through <laughs> what like um, uh, solar charging. Um, Solar or, or even I've, – I've seen some – well, I don't know if it's enough to power a, a phone battery, but you know those, those emergency radios with the hand crank mm. that's got a little charger in it. And yeah. It, there are ways around it. Um, you know, I mean, if, if you remember when, when – uh, was it Sandy came through New York City? Yeah. Um, there, there were – even when most of the power was out, there were places where you could find power and you could charge stuff oh, up, sure. whether it was because somebody had a generator. I just had to walk or, up or, to 42nd Street yeah. or 40th Street. <laughs> Um, and then um, go to the but yeah, it, ho- go to the nicest hotel, like go to the Waldorf I'm, Astoria. Plug-in. I'd be interested to see uh, to to find out more info on on whether the they were able to use crypto uh, at, at any point of sale, or if it was all these these exchanging crypto like barter for, type thing for local currency and then spending the bolivars type thing. Yeah, um, because there were there was an article I saw about how during the uh, the prolonged blackout um, the High high end steakhouses in in the capital were doing booming business because if you still had you know if if you were well off enough that you had enough cash you could go there because they had generators they had power they had food they had good food you know the 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 booze was still being poured and and uh, it, it was it, it seemed like that that was one of of a small handful of places where you could go in and kind of shut out the fact that the world seems to be falling apart outside and and be completely Wait, oblivious where, where to was it. this at least so the, these were like the high end steakhouses in in uh, in the capital in 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 venezuela in venezuela oh, okay interesting all right so uh this article and, and like a few other things have some examples of okay can this technology still be used you know, in a blackout situation. So one of them is SMS, but then there's sort of the yeah, idea. Of how and, you and I'd have serious concerns about the security of that. But but I think we may have mentioned before that you know, it, even if it's risky, it beats not having any any cash in right. any way to buy things. You so need. other solutions. Another one they said is mesh networks, which is a little bit hand wavy right now. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think they, they were like a satellite. Like okay, fine. Uh, the the two that I could think off the top of my head are well, there are actually physical. Um, it, it almost like paper backed by Bitcoin or the the physical Bitcoins that someone actually built where it's got the public key up front and then the private key is inside it. And so if you do have access to the internet, you can, um, you can verify it. But, you know, you kind of figure uh, it's probably in there if you, uh, if you don't. Um, that's probably not the best solution. That's more like just trying to exchange something physical. Um, the Lightning Network is an interesting one because the way the Lightning Network works, and this is one of the ways to scale Bitcoin, is that, for example, me and you will open an account with each other, right? We both put in $50. And then the idea is we can exchange back and forth amongst ourselves 
by giving by updating a stream of transactions with each other um, without the use of um, without actually publishing to the blockchain until we're done. And then when you get a whole network of that, um, you can uh, you know. No, now this is part of Bitcoin Classic, or is this is this is a, there was- this is a. Um, a, a, a second layer solution built on top of Bitcoin, but my idea is right, if but, I have, but, a, but it's part of Bitcoin, not yeah. uh, what was it? Bitcoin Cash? No, 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 split no. Off. Bitcoin Cash. Okay. Because uh, wasn't that part of the the debate was was over? This is the alternative. Multiple yeah. layers or changing the block yeah, this size. Is, this or, is the multiple layer that, that the main Bitcoin wants to do. Uh, so, um, or at least it's it's one solution that they're trying out. So, if you and I have a channel open with each other. We can transact anytime as, as much as we want without access to any internet connection. Now the question is, does that actually work, you know, in a in a non-connected situation? Because I would have mm. to transact, like let's say you wanted to transact with someone else, but maybe you're both connected through me. You know, would you have to contact me directly and be like, you know, hey, may-? but I don't know. Maybe there's maybe there's something with that. Well, at least if I have something open with a bunch of people in town, like a bunch of stores in town, I might be able to do something there. I don't know. As a long-term solution, it seems like a possibility. It's starting to sound like one of the more complicated word problems on the SATs. Yeah, Uh, (laughs) perhaps, perhaps. Um, Okay, so just want to wrap this up. Just want to give a conclusion on on what we've discovered through uh, this theme this week. I think these technologies have definitely helped on the margins to mitigate some of the uh, social and economic problems in these countries so far. And it's definitely helped um, change lives, both in Cuba and Venezuela, with the small businesses opening up in Cuba and uh, people using crypto to feed themselves, feed their families in Venezuela. Uh, but it's still small numbers of people. So far, no magic bullet to for- force these regimes to reform or to allow citizens to overthrow these regimes. And that's sort of the purpose of these technologies is to affect big changes, not just in Cuba and Venezuela, but all over the world. Like, you know, with uh, with Bitcoin, people want to see, uh, well, some people want to see the end of fiat money. They want to see a return to sound money across the world. That's a big change in the U.S. too. Um, so far... Because we, we've been off the gold standard since what? Was it sometime in the 70s? Um, Completely off in the 70s, I think partially off in uh, like the 40s. 30s, 40s. Yeah. Um, or, and I don't know when the Federal Reserve was created in 1913 what that did. So anyway, oh, I would have yeah. to go back and answer that. So the open question is, what changes in the future? Um, does, does this change in the future to these things, to these um, – do these t- – technologies and interconnectivity? Does it continue to simply make changes at the margins and perhaps grow a little bit? Or does it lead to some big, fast change or some, uh, you know, some turning of the corner, if you will, at some point? It's remain to be seen, but I'd like to hear from the audience here um, on what you think is going to happen. Localmaxradio at gmail.com. That's my conclusion from today's stories. Aaron, I'll let you have the last word. Yeah, uh, I, I think these are two different, Two different mediums, uh, but but they're both looking at uh, getting more information to more people to use more freely. And, and I think there might be some growing pains along the way, but the net result is going to be positive for all parties involved. You're talking so, about I- information uh, and money. Yeah. Information and, and value. And some would argue that money is just another form of information. It is, but, but it's a very different or, form. Or, but but uh, I, you know, have... Having access to more of it and being able to exchange it with fewer restrictions, uh, whether we're talking about money or information, I, I think is is good all around. So, I, I, I like like you pose the question. I don't know if this is going to show uh, cause radical change or or gradual change, but it's going to be change for the better. I think across the board. All right, I think the people involved want radical change. So, and both both <laughs> these countries and ours. So we'll see. Um, all right, I think that's about it. I think it's time to wrap up. Uh, um, next week, oh, I have some pretty neat um, interviews planned in the future. I've got uh, my friend Bethany Crystal. She works at um, she works at Union Square Ventures uh, Investment uh, 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 VC, um, and they funded Foursquare. They funded uh, all sorts of stuff, and so and she she's a really cool medium. Um, she does some really great medium posts 
about life and productivity. Uh, so I'm going to ask about that. I'm going to be ta- I hopefully if this uh, scheduling works out, I'm going to be talking to Hillary Mason next week. Very well known uh, data scientist, machine learning person here in New York City office right out there. She she founded Fast Forward Labs, and now they're part of Cloud Cloudera. So I'm going to do that interview. Um, and uh, a few more coming down the line. Uh, so excited about that. And, uh, and, and you'll be able to listen to that the next few weeks on The Local Maximum. So have a great week, everyone. That's the show. Remember to check out the website at localmaxradio.com if you want to contact me, the host, or ask a question that I can answer on the show, send an email to localmaxradio at gmail.com. The show is available on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and more. If you want to keep up, remember to subscribe to The Local Maximum on one of these platforms and to follow my Twitter account, at Max Sklar. Have a great week. Feel the power. And she said, I don't care what you say, you're gonna see.